Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Running Mate, a US election podcast for Brits. My name is Graeme Dominic and this is a slightly different version of the usual show. Uh, We're just going to get straight into the aftermath of Election Day here in the US. And joining me are two of my colleagues from the US, Sharish Date and Emily Peck. And I guess, like most things these days, um, I need to take both of your temperatures before we start anything. So how how are you both both feeling right now, Sharish, after a roller coaster? 24 hours, shall we say. Yeah, why don't you ask me in about a week, I'll let you know. Right. Emily, how are you doing? I'm a little better. I'm, I'm still here. I'm a little better in the light of day. Um, right. It was, it was literally and figuratively quite dark last night in America. There were some dark moments, and I don't think Twitter or certain cable news stations helped anyone's mood at all. But we are where we are. We're in a state where everything seems to hang in a balance, Six states are still to call. Both Team Biden and Team Trump are confident of victory. When do you think we'll actually know what's happening and we'll have an outcome on this? Sure. Well, the votes have been cast. They're now being counted. So whether the Team Biden or Team Trump says they feel good about where things are headed or they don't really feel it doesn't really matter. The votes are getting counted and we can see from the numbers where things are going. And right now, at this moment, it looks like uh, Joe Biden's in, in a much better shape than, than the president is. Right, right. Emily, what do, you, what, what do you think? I think this is a question everyone wants to know. Is it going to be in the next few hours? Is it going to be in the next couple of days? Is it going to be Friday? When, when do you think we'll know who's the president? I'm going to give you the same kind of unsatisfying answer. <laughs> which is, we'll know when we know. Right. <laughs> when the votes are counted, um, it seems like we're making some progress. And now I think in the U.S. especially, the mission is to just sort of try to tamp down the lies and misinformation coming from the White House. And, and where is this kind of sense of why don't we know right now come from, do you think? I mean, this one was actually kind of entirely predictable if you were writing about this stuff and reading this stuff. But was it this idea that it was there was going to be a, a Biden landslide and that hasn't happened, so that's kind of upset the apple cart? Well, I think part of the problem is we had a pandemic and we had a large number of voters uh, mail-in voting. And in most states, that was fine. But in really key states like um, Michigan, for example, the law does not allow them to start counting those votes until the election election day is over. <laughs> right. Um so it, it makes it hard to count the votes and have them all counted by the end of the night. And um, there were efforts, um, Democratic politicians asked, like, can we start counting the votes early since there are going to be so many coming in by mail? And 
Republicans said, you know, they, they fought them on that. So that's been, I think, a real holdup, among other reasons. Right, right. Sharice, what's, yeah, why, why, why are we in this kind of state of we should know, but we don't know, and this, this kind, of, kind of sense of confusion? A lot of this is because in, the, in three very important states, the, the, the race is extremely close. It's simple as that. And yeah. every time in the past, whether it's a statewide race, a governor's race, Senate race, presidential race, you have a race that's within a few thousand votes or even a few tens of thousands of votes. When a few million or t- 10 million have been cast, right. then obviously it's going to take time to, to sort all this out and get a precise answer. This happened in 2004 when the election came down to Ohio and we did not have an answer election night. We had it the next day. Uh, in 2000, it, it took a month right. before Florida was sorted. So, you know, people maybe get impatient, and this is being driven by the president, who saw that if he was able to take credit for a victory election night because he was likely to be in the quote-unquote lead. Of course, yeah. there is no lead, right? The votes have been cast. It's just a matter of counting them. It's not, you're not really adding to your, the number you're, you're getting at this point. So part of it was intentional, and part of it was people just don't really have a long muscle memory on, on what elections are like. Right. I was going to say, I, yeah, I do, I do think people have, people have short memories on, on these things and how elections turn out. And another one that the chattering class seems to be obsessed with at the moment is the polling and the polls getting it wrong. I don't really want to dwell on, on that too much because, you know, we, we want to kind of look to the future, but... Did the polls get it wrong, and does it matter, do you think? Well, it, it, it depends on, on who you are. If you're a campaign, then polls matter very much. Now, remember that actual campaigns don't pay any, any attention at all to the public polls that we in the media look at, certainly, and sometimes are right on and sometimes are obsessed about. The campaigns spend a lot more money doing much more precise polls that look at very small key things and base their campaign decisions around that. And they knew, certainly the Biden folks knew exactly what was going on. Uh, I had heard that the Trump people, basically to justify doing whatever rallies Trump wanted to do, wherever he wanted to do them, stopped doing some tracking polling so they wouldn't be able to have the information to say, well, this is a bad idea because they would just get yelled at if they did. So uh, the public polling, yeah, it was off in a number of key states. The answer to that is you, you kind of get what you pay for. I mean, if, if you're right. not willing to spend the amount of time and money to get it right, then there's a, a level of precision that you lose, and that's where we are. Right. Emily, what do you think? I think the polling was a miss from what we've seen so far. Again, the votes have not all been counted, so we don't actually know quite how much of a miss or a hit the polling was, but at least in like a state like Florida, it was a lot closer than we'd been led to believe. I think it's as much a media story as it is a political story in the case of the polling, because in 2016, we saw this, right? People had expectations of what was going to happen because of the polling. And then when that didn't happen, I think emotionally, a lot of people, the bottom dropped out for them. I think it also gave a lot of people a storyline about the media that we've seen relentlessly pushed over the past few years, how we're really we suck and we lie and we mislead and I think polling is like a really big part of that because it is this kind of astrology that people put this kind of scientific faith in and it translates sort of to all of the reporters 
on the political beat and it it kind of messes up everything for everyone um so you would think we learned that lesson in 2016 and i i did see on huffpost at least a lot less reliance on on polls for news stories and such but at the end of the day i think again people had certain expectations for how tuesday night was going to go because of polling right and again it didn't play out like that and i think again the media kind of takes a hit from those that that mismatch Right. I think that, yeah, that's that's driving this whole kind of Biden should have won a landslide, all the focus on Florida. Florida didn't come through. So, and particularly on British Twitter, if you had the misfortune of hanging around there last night, it was a, um, it had all that, but with none of the insider information or knowledge you might have from being an American-based journalist. So that was, um, that was quite something. Well, on that point, though, I mean, let's look at, at the, the difference between people on Twitter and, uh, outside observers saying, well, why isn't Biden spending more time in Florida? Why isn't he spending time? Why didn't he go to Texas? Well, here's why. Look what happened and look where the states that are actually going to matter. So they knew what was happening. They acted upon it. So maybe we should learn from what the campaign is doing rather than look at public polling and and get upset when the campaign isn't doing what we think they ought to be doing. Yeah, Texas being in play feels like a (laughs) millennia ago, but there you go. Moving kind of forward rather than looking backwards, how messy is this all going to to get now? I mean, as we've said, it's it's kind of touch and go in in these these three um, key states in in um, in in the the Blue Wall, Rust Belt area. Um, Trump said what he said about a fraud on the on the American public and going to the Supreme Court to stop the counting of votes. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. This looks like that the, the kind of worst case scenario that everybody was pointing out could happen. How how messy is it going to be, um, do we think? In terms of the actual result, I, I don't know that it will be very messy at all. Right. I mean, the the elections are administered at the state level. They're not administered by Bill Barr, the attorney general, or by any of Trump's flunkies. It's, it, it, it's done by, you know, seven different states will handle these seven different tallies. And then the Trump campaign, if they lose, or the Biden folks, if they lose any particular one, are free to try to take remedies in the courts. And again, there's a process for that. He doesn't get to just go to his favorite justices on the United States Supreme Court, the ones he right. put there, and say, help me, make me win. That does, that's not how it works. And uh, a reminder, because I was actually there in Florida in 2000, um, right. Bush v. Gore did not become Bush v. Gore until it got very, very late in the process and they had a federal claim to make. Had the Gore campaign just stayed in the state courts and tried to get a statewide recount right from the get-go, they might have succeeded. So, you know, if the, I guess what we're seeing is a president who really doesn't know how this works and just makes crazy claims, but what's interesting is that so many people in this country realize that he just makes crazy claims, that it has come now to, to bite him, that, you know, maybe only... 25% of the people in the country will, will pay him any attention at all. Right. Emily, do you think, are you of a similar mind? I mean, that sounds really great to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, However, I, I, I would be crazy to make any kind of prediction because it's 2020 and I just uh, spent five minutes railing against predictions just yep. right five minutes ago. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen, Graham. I, yeah. um, I, I worry a lot about the president getting people riled up I agree. about right. the results. Right. Um, at the same time, I mean, I guess I still have faith <laughs> in the United States, a little bit of faith that um, that can that can be worked with, managed and handled and, and cooler heads will will somehow prevail and that more people do see Trump for the huckster he is. Is it going to take the grown-ups in the Republican Party to to step in and stop him? If there are, you, you looked at me with, in, a, in a funny way, Emily, as if, where, where are these grown-ups you talk of? But will it take that? Is that important? Is that not going to happen? Is it is it now just Trump's party and he does what he wants and the party follows? To a degree it is. It, he commands the loyalty of a, a great number of, of Republican primary voters. Uh, two things, though. We, we have to remember that America hates losers, and if, if the president loses, he becomes one. And right. so, therefore, his, his stock drops immediately. And, and a lot of people who voted for him did so because he's a winner. He was a right. president. And are not really interested in his nonsense. In fact, every time I go out on a road trip around the country to talk to people about a story, I'm reminded just how little average people pay any attention at all. I mean, I, I will mention these things that the president has said and done, and they'll look at me like, what are you talking about? Because you know, they don't. And we, of course, who are immersed in it, know at once. Oh, yeah, he wanted to shoot migrants. And, oh, yeah, right. he wanted to nuke hurricanes and so on and so forth. They don't know any of that. They don't pay it any mind. So the grown-ups in the party once in a while actually have spoken out. Remember when Trump actually said, should we delay the election because of this pandemic? <laughs> He's immediately shot down with Mitch right. McConnell said, no, the election will actually be on November 3rd, and that's that, and end of discussion. So, uh, again, you know, if, if a crazy man screams in the woods and no one listens to him, what does it matter? Right. And we may be in that situation soon, depending on what happens with these, these uh, four or five states. Right. That sounds, again, thank you. That You'll take great. that. Yeah, I think we'll all, we'll, we'll all, we'll all take that. Um, and, and, and looking at the, uh, at the Biden campaign, again, it, you know, it was a, um, a kind of night of contrasts, I guess, from, from Biden running the worst campaign of all time after Florida to, oh, no, actually, maybe it's, it's not so bad and we have to wait and see how this pans out. I mean, he seems to have focused on the Midwest states and that seems to be where the result's going to be decided what do you both broadly think of, of whether Biden's played a good hand here? Should, should he have got a, a landslide? I mean, people in the UK might be looking at a quarter million people dead under, under a president's watch and be thinking, how has Biden not absolutely tanked this guy? I mean, the, the US is a very partisan country now and people see things through their own filters. Um, people, Republicans who identify as Republicans mostly voted for Donald Trump and Democrats who identify as Democrats mostly voted for Joe Biden. And I think if you're a Republican who wants to vote Republican and you see COVID deaths, you're going to see it differently than a Democrat. A Democrat would be inclined to blame the president for mismanaging a public health crisis. A Republican who's not inclined to believe that government 
even works anyway, because that's sort of like a foundational working theory of conservatism in this country, that government is mostly a hindrance and not a help. So you're not going to see COVID as anything but like maybe a natural disaster that you just kind of have to live with. So maybe you're not going to blame the president for that. And maybe you're going to blame actually the Democrats for, you know, killing the economy with COVID restrictions instead. Um, So I think perspective can really be massaged and shaped differently depending on where you sit. Yeah. Sharish. Yeah. Biden was was kind of limited on on who he is. You know, he's a guy who has spent all his years, not just his formative years, in a chamber, except for the time he was vice president, where for decades it was you you go along to get along, you make friends. He was actually friends with, with John McCain. Right. Right. And nowadays maybe that is that is seen as a negative, actually knowing people across the aisle. So when he was going out and talking about, oh, I'm going to bring the country get together, he actually believes that. Right. And there's something pure about that, you know, that yeah. that idea that maybe compromise is possible. So he was never going to be the firebrand that some on the progressive left wanted. He spent a lot of time in D.C., and that's who he was. That's who he's going to be. And interestingly, many, many Democratic primary voters thought, Okay, we're not crazy about him. We certainly aren't crazy about his uh, lack of passion for some of our positions, but he's the best chance of beating this guy. And that is job one right now because the president is an existential threat to not just the country, but the world. And so that's the first thing we need to do is get rid of him. Right. And opinions may well change again based on if he wins more of these six states that are still in the balance. So. I guess we'll, we'll see over the coming days. On Trump, we're, we're, another talking point seems to be the support he managed to get from Latino communities, particularly in, in parts of Florida, uh, and maybe also uh, women and black voters. Was that something that was underestimated, Trump, Trump's appeal to people? What do we think of that? Well, I, I, I've been watching Florida pretty closely, and I spent like 20 years working there. Yeah. And the Republicans have for all that time, been able to live on the idea of Cuba is bad and we need to continue to promise to be against Fidel Castro. Now, you know, in theory, that would be less effective now, right? But it still is. The the threat of socialism, if it's just tossed out there, appeals to people who have fled countries where they were being persecuted. Interestingly, of course, Fidel Castro was not the first dictator of Cuba. You know, he overthrew a different dictator. Right. So, you know, it, it's not necessarily a love of democracy that is driving some of the older, particularly Cuban vote in, in Miami. In terms of the pickups in the other places, you know, they were marginal. A few percentage points among African-Americans, a few percentage points among Puerto Rican, and I would assume that these are Puerto Rican voters who've been in the states for a while, as opposed to those who remember uh, Donald Trump tossing paper towels at them, right. you know, just a couple of years ago. So, you know, I, I don't think that's a big deal. I do think it's a big deal that at some point Democrats are going to, if they're serious, are going to have to actually try to recruit and and persuade Mexican American voters in Texas. The way that they did in Arizona, there's a, right. there's a reason that Arizona is, is where it is and where Texas is where it is uh, this morning. 
So all the work that uh, progressive groups largely have, have done in Arizona was lacking in Texas, and we see that in the result. Emily, were you surprised about any of the better performances, I guess, from, from Trump in, in different demographics? Not really. I mean, to echo what Sharish said, in Florida, it seemed like the appeal was Biden will turn this country into the next Venezuela. He's a big socialist. You're afraid of socialism. Don't vote for him. And I think that worked. But I think... When all the results are in, you'll see that Trump's success is mostly with white male voters. That's where that's right. his base. That's who he plays to. If he picks up other people along the way, like, okay. But that is absolutely who this man represents. And, and you see it in all different kinds of ways in his rhetoric, in the actions he's taking. You see it in the economy right now. It's actually pretty good for white men, and it's pretty terrible for every other demographic um so i think the republicans trying to say last night i watched fox news, fox news for a little bit and they were trying to say that this election shows that they have a new multicultural coalition right. in the republican party right. is is pretty silly right, right. Also, also donald trump has has proven what he said years ago to uh billy bush uh, then with the the access hollywood television show which became so famous Billy Bush wrote an op-ed in which he said, you know, just the key to Donald Trump is just remember that he says that just say things. People will believe you. Just right. say it. And he does. I am great for African Americans. I am the best president for African Americans since Abraham Lincoln. Right. And people tend to believe what they're told right. until, until they're, it's proven otherwise. And um, the only proven otherwise that we saw in this election was his handling of COVID where most voters agreed, yeah, he's done a miserable job. So, you know, just saying that you've done this great thing, say it over and over and over and over and over like he has done, works. And maybe that's going to be a model going forward for others who want to follow in his footsteps. That is a, a depressing <laughs> thought. Um, and and uh, some of the other instant experts um, last night were reflecting on what this means for the four years of Trump's presidency. And a recurring one seemed to be this is not a repudiation of the Trump era and populism and his lies and everything that comes with that. And Sharish, you've written a book about Trump's lies. So I wanted to ask you particularly about that and what you think... The, the, the election result, however it however it could turn out for, from here, what it, what it says about the Trump era and whether people have, have largely accepted it, which might be a depressing place to be. Well, I, I think it goes back to what I was alluding to earlier, is that majority of people in the country don't know the granular details of what this man is about. They right. really don't. Uh, when they come time to when it's when it comes time to vote, most of them think of them, oh well, he's a Republican. I'll vote for him. Uh, and and a way to to actually see this is his popularity is highest when he shut up. You right. know, if there were periods when he would just go away, he would be in another, in another country or or on vacation, and his and his exposure was limited. His polling numbers would go up because people forgot. Oh right, there's a lunatic in the White House, right. and so. Um, you know, it, it's if it doesn't affect you personally, you're not likely to get upset about it. And so, I mean, I would talk to farmers in Wisconsin who have been wrecked by his trade war. And it right. takes a while for the cause and effect to sink in that it is because of this man 
that I'm making less money than I was right. two years ago. So uh, I, it's, it's a little early to say about whether he'll be repudiated or not. A lot of it will depend on, you know, if he wins, no repudiation whatsoever. I mean, it, it works. And you'll see other Republicans like falling over each other to emulate him. And has, has anyone from the Trump camp ever come back to you on what you said to Trump to his face that he was a, a liar? <laughs> Well, I, I didn't say that. What I said was, "Do you regret your lying?" Right. Sorry. Yes, I should. We should. No. We'll run the. We'll I, run I, the full. We'll yeah. run the full clip. I'm sure. <laughs> Please, so, uh, Mr. President. After three and a half years, do you regret at all all the lying you've done to the American people? On all the what? Day? All the lying. All the dishonesties. That who has done? You have done. Uh, there was a one person in the White House who's uh, actually the the top press person who said, well, you know, after your performance in the White House last week, you know, we're not going to give you an interview, and uh, you're welcome to continue your pooling duties. And, you know, it was kind of scratch my head. It's like I wasn't aware that the White House had any role in deciding the pool rotation of right. the correspondence association. But, you know, I let it go. I mean, um, it, it's, it's kind of laughable. No other public official in, in my career has been as dishonest as this president. It's not even close. I mean, it's, right. it's I went to his, uh, some of his recent rallies, and it's like, the, the name of the state he was in, that was correct. And the name of the couple of congressmen who were appearing with him, that was correct. And just about every other thing was either made up entirely, total exaggeration, his opinion, just insults, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it was like 90 minutes of nonsense. And he still got all these votes. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The bar is so low. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so but I do low. wonder if other other politicians can get away with it there, and it's whether it's just it's it's it's, it's unique. It's unique to him. I, I I I don't know. Emily, what do you think of what the result, as we of what we know so far, says about the last four years of of Trump? Uh, I mean, it is disheartening that so many people have voted for this man after what we've been through the past four years. After a quarter million people have died from a deadly pandemic that he clearly has not had any handle on at all. After we, we've seen double digit unemployment rates, we've seen GDP drop. I mean, this yeah. disastrous trade war. I mean, he's a wreck. And the fact right. that all these millions of Americans are voting for him, either because they're underinformed or because they're voting out of some kind of grievance um, against non-white people is really disturbing. I yeah. think um, we've had bad presidents before, but not anything like this. Someone who really shakes the very fiber of our democracy so so significantly. And it it really is scary and worrisome that so many people really like him. Yeah. I mean, millions. So, well, guys, thanks very much for your time. That's probably uh, enough for now. We, we still many, many votes to be counted. So hopefully things will become clearer in the next few days. Um, thanks very much for your time, though. And um, best of luck with reporting over, over the next few days. Thank you. My pleasure, Graham. Thanks for having me. OK, thanks, everyone, for listening and speak to you again soon. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 